Open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2. It's on page 837 if you want to use the blue Bible in front of you. I'm going to begin reading in the first verse, Mark chapter 2. You follow along as I read out loud. Mark records for us, and when Jesus returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at a home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when the men could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they'd made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic laid. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, Pick up your bed and go home. And the man rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus went out again beside the sea. And all the crowds were coming to him and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And Matthew arose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Blessed are those who hear it and obey it. Last week we started this new sermon series of moving through the book of Mark. Because we want to continue to answer the question... What is the gospel? We saw last week that as Jesus began his public ministry, Mark said that this was the beginning of the gospel. Well, the word gospel literally means good news. And with the coming of Jesus, we see good news coming into our lives. Today we want to focus on one of those areas where we have good news with Jesus. And that is the healing ministry that Jesus did. 
Many people know the stories about Jesus healing various people. It's one thing that even non-Christians, people who don't attend church, they know that, that about Jesus. That there are all these stories out there that Jesus was a healer. Well, let me summarize quickly where we are in Mark's gospel. After last week, we left off. And in chapter 1, Mark tells us, in rapid succession, several of the healing things that Jesus was doing. First, Jesus drives out a demon from a man who was possessed. Then in verse 29 of chapter 1, we're told that Jesus healed many people. We are not to understand that he healed many, but there were some that he didn't. That was Mark's way of saying he healed all the people that were coming to him, and there was many. It wasn't just a few. Lots of people were coming to Jesus, and they were being healed. And then Mark tells us about Jesus healing a man who had a skin disease that he identifies as leprosy. Well, leprosy in that day was incurable. There was no medicine that you could use on, on that. If it was seen as something that God gave somebody and God took it away. If you got to be healed, it was because God took it away. You didn't go to the doctor and get cured of leprosy, in other words. And yet Jesus heals this man who has leprosy. And then in the first story that we read today, Jesus heals a man who is crippled. He's brought to Jesus. He can't even walk himself, so he's carried on a mat. And Jesus says, get up and walk, and he does. Clearly, by Mark telling us these stories in rapid succession like this, he wants us to know Jesus has the power to heal. When Jesus does this healing, word begins to spread and his popularity, as you would expect, goes through the roof. Hey, he didn't even require people to pay a copay. He didn't check their insurance card. And if you heard the stories about this guy who was instantly healing people of diseases that they'd been carrying around for a long time, you can see why he would be very popular. And Mark records for us, That because his popularity exploded, Jesus had trouble going into public places, into cities, because of the press of the crowd. And even when he would stay outside of town, people would be coming to him, thronging to get to him. But the problem with these stories when we read it is, come on people, it's 2016. We're not foolish enough to really believe that Jesus took sick people and healed them instantly. Yeah, 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 I get it. People back then weren't as educated and sophisticated as we are, so they really believed it. We're not that foolish today, are we? And that's where many people are. They read these stories and they say, well, that's a cool story, but it didn't happen. It's a legend. It's a myth. It's a tall tale. We don't have time today for me to demonstrate to you why we believe these stories are true. 
And you might be one of those people sitting here today and say, I like the Bible, great book, good teachings, but I just can't swallow these miracle stories. That may be you. Well, I'm not going to try to convince you today. We don't have time for that. I'm going to ask you, though, if you don't believe these stories are true, stick with me. But I'm going to speak as if they're true, because I happen to believe that the Bible is the word of God, it's inspired, and it's true. Not everybody believes that. And I get that. But most of us here today do. We've come to believe that the Bible is reliable and true, and so we're going to go forward with the assumption that these stories are not just made up. That they're true. I think we can make a pretty good case for why they're true. But if I did that, we wouldn't have time to talk about what I do want to talk about today. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. To say that Jesus' healing ministry is important to his popularity is an incredible understatement. You can see Jesus as he goes from this unknown figure to this wildly popular individual where tens of thousands of people are following him. Now, I said I wasn't going to prove that Jesus' miracle stories were true, but just as a tip, if Jesus was a fraud, if those stories are not true, what in the heck were all those people doing following him? If nobody was being healed, why did his popularity grow? You see? Because all these people were fooled. They were said, have people being healed? Where? I don't know, but I've heard that. No, it, it, it happened. And that's why Jesus' popularity explodes. And what we're told in Scripture is that this is a fulfillment of prophecy. In Matthew 18... This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, by his stripes we are healed. These miracle stories serve to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one we've been waiting for. He is the one that God has sent. Why did Jesus heal people? For the same reason that he fed people. Remember, he took an a little boy's lunch, and he multiplied it and fed thousands of people. Why? Because they were hungry, yes, but it was to demonstrate who he was. The feeding ministry of Jesus was not to be his ministry. It was to serve to show who he was. The same is true with his healing ministry. The purpose of Jesus' coming was not so that we would be physically healed right now. If Jesus' purpose in coming was for us to be physically healed, listen to me, he failed miserably. Did you hear me? If Jesus' purpose in coming was for all of us to be physically healed, then Jesus failed. Because we're not. All we have to do is look around and we can see the effects of sin, sickness, and death everywhere. If Jesus came that we might be healed here and now, right now, physically, he failed miserably to bring that to pass. 
If we are healed by his stripes, he was crucified. He was beaten. His stripes did not accomplish what many people think when they say that Jesus is a healer. Some preachers even tap into this. You ever see those healing preachers? Have these big ministries where they claim that people are being healed. There was a, an atheist a number of years ago who offered a bet. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. He said, listen, I will give this money to the first preacher who can prove that he healed somebody. He said, I want doctor's reports before and after. He said, if you're doing the healing ministry that you claim that you're doing, he said, it'd be very easy to verify. And he said, I'll put lots of cash into your ministry. Just prove it. No one took him up. Why is that? Right? Anybody surprised that they didn't? No. Okay. I read a book a number of years ago and the, the writer was arguing. He said, if you really had the healing ministry that, that they claim to have where you could just touch anybody, he said, why don't you just go to the hospital and just empty out the children's ward? If that's what you have, why wouldn't you do it? Man, that would sure bring a lot of publicity to Christ, wouldn't it? And they claim they've got this power and yet we don't see it. But many people get drawn into the excitement of these healing ministries. Many unscrupulous preachers have exploited this sensationalism for their own financial gain. In the second story, though, the story of the calling of Levi, as Mark refers to him, or Matthew is his other name, we learn something important there. Jesus, as he's going along, he sees Matthew collecting taxes because he was a tax collector. And he says, come follow me. And just like we saw last week with the fishermen, he does. He just leaves his tax booth and starts following Jesus. Jesus then goes to Matthew's house for dinner. And the religious leaders are there saying, well, he shouldn't be having dinner with that guy. He's a sinner. If Jesus was a righteous person, he wouldn't hang around with somebody like that. And Jesus summarized it and says, who blames a doctor, who faults a doctor for being around sick people? He's a great doctor, but he's always around sick people. That's not a bad thing. Jesus is basically saying, what would you expect? I didn't come to call righteous people to repentance. He said, I came to call sinners. Jesus doesn't run away from the charge. He runs toward it and says, well, of course I'm around sinners. They're the ones who need help. And it's that that we want to focus on for a moment. What Jesus said about the reason why he came. To call sinners. People, listen to me. We do not understand today our problem with sin. Now listen to me. Our biggest problem, bar none, is spiritual. Did you hear me? Our biggest problem, bar none, is spiritual. I don't care what you're going through financially, emotionally, physically, relationally, I don't care what problem you have, nothing 
trumps our problem spiritually. Our problem, though, is we have convinced ourselves that we're doing okay. Yeah, yeah, except for this. If I just had some more money, things would be great. If I just had this operation, I didn't have this physical problem, I'd be fine. If I could just have a better marriage, better relationship, things would be great in my life. That's the way we live. We see these problems as something that stand in the way of our happiness, our fulfillment. If we could just get that taken care of, life would be great. Jesus comes along and says, that's not true. Our biggest problem is our problem with sin. Our spiritual problem. Because without God's cure, we are hopeless. And many people don't believe that. Why? Because they believe they're nice people. Talk to the average person on the street. You might be sitting here today thinking the same thing. Hey, I'm a nice guy. Okay, okay. I'm not perfect. But I'm good enough. And many people today believe that when they die, they're going to go to heaven because they were nice guys. I had somebody tell me this past week. It broke my heart. He was talking about a loved one who had died. And he said, but I know he's in a better place because he had a good heart. Folks, that is flat out not the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't get to heaven because we've got a good heart. The Bible says what? We don't have good hearts. None of us do. And if you claim to have a good heart, that proves you don't because you're a big fat liar. Isn't that what John says? If you claim to be without sin, you're a liar. There is no nice guy exception. Everybody needs a savior except for nice guys. They're, they're good. No. Apart from a committed relationship where we are following Jesus in our daily lives, we have no hope. We just went through the Christmas season to celebrate the birth of the Savior. To ask the average person on the street, many people in the church, there was no need for a Savior. Because, hey, I'm a nice guy. I'm going to heaven without Jesus. Well, why in the world did God send His Son to come into the world to die on the cross if all we have to do is just be good people? If everybody is basically going to heaven anyway, okay, okay, maybe Hitler won't, Stalin, you know, Mao, these mass murderers, they won't go to heaven, but everybody else will. And this is the fundamental problem we have today, is that people don't understand the gospel and what it means. We see Jesus coming to teach nice moral truths. We see him coming to do some healing. But we don't see him coming to deal with our most fundamental problem. And that is we are spiritually sick and we are destined to hell because of it. And we need God's cure. Jesus said that unless we repent, we will perish. It's in this second story that we want to pause and really see what Jesus is saying about why he came. Because Matthew was a hated tax collector, many people had a problem with Jesus hanging around him. 
Because if Jesus was such a good person, he wouldn't hang around somebody who's a dirty dog like that tax collector. How could a righteous man associate with somebody like that? And Jesus silenced that silly talk by saying, I came to deal with people just like that. To help the sinners. To help those who are sick. And in this short exchange, we learn something about Jesus' healing ministry. Jesus did not come primarily to heal people physically. Jesus came primarily to heal people spiritually. Yes, Jesus did heal people physically, but his most important message was that we could be healed on the inside. We focus so much on the physical healing that we totally neglect the most important spiritual healing that we all need. Jesus helps us to deal with our sin sickness. Numerous times in the Bible, our problem with sin is described in terms of sickness. Isaiah and Jeremiah especially do that. The religious leaders didn't have a problem so much with Jesus healing this man in the first part of chapter 2. They didn't care that Jesus healed this man who was lame. But they had a real problem with Jesus hanging around Matthew. Because he claimed that he was doing something more significant than just healing. In that first story, Jesus looks at the guy who was lame and he says, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, whoa, who does he think he is? And even though they were wrong in their attitude toward Jesus, they were right in their theology. Because you know what they said? They said, nobody can forgive sins but God alone. You notice what? Jesus didn't correct them because they weren't wrong. And when they said that nobody can forgive sins but God alone, Jesus like, ding, 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 ding. Good answer. Because Jesus was affirming that he's God. But he's also showing that he said, I have the power to forgive sins. I can do that. Too many people see Jesus as this great healer who can do things for the physical body. But we don't just need to be baptized on the outside. We don't need to just be physically healed on the outside. We need to be healed on the inside. Listen to me. We will raise the roof with prayers when it comes to physical healing. I do it almost every week. Just before I do the pastoral prayer, are there any prayer concerns? Hands will go up. Pray for this physical problem. Pray for this physical problem. When was the last time we said, pray for Joe? He doesn't know Christ. Pray for this guy. He's off on a drunk. Got quiet in here, didn't it? Why is it that we feel so comfortable raising our hand and saying, I want God to heal this person physically. 
but then we'll say nothing about our spiritual needs. We will unashamedly say, pray for my grandfather. Pray for my uncle. Pray for my kid. Pray for me. I got surgery on Tuesday. And don't get me wrong, I think we ought to pray about that stuff. But we will confidently, boldly ask people to pray for our physical stuff. When was the last time? Pray for me because I hate my wife. Seriously. How many of us know we're not living the Christian faith? When do we raise our hand and say, you know what? I got a problem with lust. I got a problem with anger. I got some bitterness in my heart that I'm having trouble letting go of. When was the last time you saw somebody raise their hand and say, pray about that? Why? Because we don't emphasize the spiritual healing that Jesus came to provide. Boy, we'll pray like the Dickens when we get sick. But then we act like nothing's wrong when we're spiritually sick. Yeah, I know some of you might be disagreeing. Oh, no, preacher, if I had a spiritual problem, I'd be asking people to pray for me. Yeah, whatever. Because that itself shows that we don't understand the spiritual problem because every person in this room today has a spiritual problem that we ought to be praying about. Every one of us in this room today has a spiritual problem that we need to be healed of. Then why aren't we praying about it? Why aren't we sharing that with the body so that the body can be praying with us about that? Now listen, I do believe that Jesus will provide physical healing for us. What do you think that new spiritual body is going to be about when we die? We will be healed perfectly someday. Not here and not now, but someday we're going to get a perfect body that won't wear out. That is not a disappointment, folks. That is to inspire hope in us that we want to go home. You know what I'm talking about? I've been there beside the bed of a saint who's ready to go home. And I preacher, and I've had him say, preacher, don't pray that I get better. Pray that I go home. I'm done. I'm ready to go be with Jesus. Their body, you know, we talk about cars where their, their odometer flips over. There are some people, I'm telling you, their, their odometers flipped over a couple of times. They're ready to go. They have lived, they've worn out their body. And thank God, Jesus provides healing and we can have a new body that will never wear out. And we ought to long for that. We were not meant to live here forever. We're just passing through. Yes, by all means, pray for physical healing. Paul did. We're never told in Scripture, don't pray for physical healing. God may want to heal you. I don't know. But I also know that many times God chooses not to. Because God works through the physical problems we have. That's what God uses to get our attention. Listen, if our bodies didn't break down, we'd never want to leave. 
But our bodies decaying reminds us that we've got something better waiting for us. Pray for physical healing, but don't make that your focus. And because we have misunderstood the purpose of Jesus' healing ministry, we make a couple of mistakes quickly. Number one, because we misunderstand Jesus' healing ministry, we focus so much on the physical. We do what one preacher called organ recitals. We, uh, this part, this part hurts, that part hurts, this organ's wrong, this organ. Not all about our bodies, folks. We miss the point that we have something much more important going on. And we might pray for somebody to be physically healed. And if God were to heal them, that'd be wonderful. But if they die and go to hell, what was the point? But hey, God healed them. No, the most important need we have is spiritual. And we don't want to settle for physical healing and miss out on the spiritual healing that Jesus came to provide. Don't miss the point. The second problem we have, though, because we misunderstand our need for a spiritual cure, is we forget to tell other people about Christ. We don't tell the people around us how desperately they need a Savior. Listen to me. You'll come across some new cure some new herbal thingy, and you'll tell everybody, oh, you got to try this, it works. I'm telling you, I tried all the stuff, all the medicines that didn't work, but I found this cure, and it really works. How many of us here today say that we have found the cure to our sin problem in Jesus Christ, and yet we won't say boo about it to anybody? We'll tell them about some dietary supplement before we tell them about Jesus. What is wrong with us? People don't need to know about herbal cures. They need to know about what Jesus can do for them to have eternal life. What Jesus can do or do to cure their spiritual sickness. We have the greatest cure ever. It cures death so that we might have eternal life. I think that's kind of important, don't you? And yet we won't tell people about that. Jesus does not bring perfect physical healing here and now to our bodies. He doesn't. And if we expect that kind of healing, we're going to be disappointed. And I know people who give up on the faith because they pray for physical healing and it doesn't happen. And so God let them down. And I'm telling you, God never promised us perfect physical bodies in this life. God can't let us down. The only people can let us down are preachers who've lied to us and promised us something that God didn't ever say. Jesus is a failure. If we look at it from that perspective. But I'm telling you here today, Jesus is not a failure because he came to bring spiritual healing. And how many of you sitting here today can say, I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ has healed me spiritually. I was messed up. 
And Jesus came in and done. He did what no one else could do. He did what I couldn't do. He brought healing in my life. Glory to God. That is the point of Jesus coming. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Not that God wants to heal your kidney stones. God wants to give you eternal life in Jesus Christ. I don't even know if we're going to have kidneys in heaven, are we? We won't have that problem. Don't miss out on what God has for you. He has some spiritual healing that you are missing out on right now. Because every one of us who believe that God has touched us and brought spiritual healing in our lives, we still aren't there yet. There's still more work to be done, isn't there? Then that becomes our prayer. Jesus, heal me. I still have anger issues. I still have a greedy heart. I still find myself being petty when I shouldn't be. All that negative stuff that's going on inside that nobody else knows about. You know it. And God knows it. And Jesus said, now, do you want me to heal you of that? Because I believe Jesus can. And I don't want to miss out on the healing that Jesus came to provide for us. Let's pray. In the quietness of this moment, no one looking around. Now is the opportunity for you to just pray a very simple prayer. Jesus, I need some healing. Jesus, I'm broken. I'm experiencing experiencing spiritual sickness in my life right now. Jesus, heal me. Father God, in the sermon today, we have learned that you have the power to do much more than just heal our physical bodies. You have the power to transform our lives. God, many of us, most of us here today have experienced part of that. But we're not there yet. We're not done. We still need that good news to be at work in our lives so that we might have spiritual healing through and through. God, I pray that right now Your Spirit would convict us. It would point out those areas in our lives where we're spiritually sick and we're holding on to our sickness. We want to be healed, but then we don't want to be healed. We want to hold on to our sin rather than have wholeness on the inside. God, break our hearts for how we've settled for spiritual brokenness. Give us a vision of how You want to create us in the image of Christ so that we're spiritually whole, spiritually powerful, spiritually healthy. And God, give us a passion, a commitment that we're going to follow Jesus and wait as You work in us believing that Your power will transform us from the inside out. And God, as we leave here today, help us to take this Gospel message 
and share it with the broken people around us. To point them to Jesus Christ and what you want to do in their lives as well through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.